from the big screen to the small screen and everything in between. This is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. My name is Chris. This is Chad. I'm Melody. I'm Josh. And I'm Daniel. And we're back again to talk all things media. Tonight, we have a jam-packed episode, and I'm really excited to jump in. But real quick before we start, I wanted to invite you to please be a part of this podcast. And the best way of doing that is to go to our Facebook page and leave us a comment on one of the articles that are there, if you have something that you'd like to say, or just on the page itself, and let us know about something maybe we're missing. If there's an article that's out that you think would be interesting and that you would like to hear us discuss, whatever you think would make the podcast better would make the podcast better. So please please let us know. Go to our Facebook page and be in touch, and that way things can be awesome. Okay, so let's jump in to our first jump cut. For the first jump cut this week, we're going to go around and talk about current media news. So recently on our Facebook page, we posted an article that talked about CBS's new move to bring Star Trek back to television, but not really television, in their new CBS online streaming platform, CBS All Access. And as many of you know, we have plenty of Trekkies to spare here at the screeners, and I thought we'd start with uh, Daniel and Chris and get their perspective on this new move by CBS. What do you think about this, guys? Good move? Move, bad move, crazy move. Are you excited? Well, I, I am excited about the idea of a new Star Trek show. Definitely, I think it has a lot of potential. They could really go in a lot of different directions. It, it, even even that it's being produced by Alex Kurtzman, who wrote uh, co-wrote the first two Abrams Star Star Trek films. But what I'm really, really not excited for, and actually a little aggravated at, is that this is made for CBS All Access, which is just a stupid idea. CBS All Access is a terrible idea, in my opinion. It's just greedy. They don't want to take part in Hulu. Uh, They think they can just do their own thing. But I already have Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon. I don't want to pay for another stupid thing. So it makes me really mad that this this show is going to be made exclusively for their streaming platform. So I really hope it fails. I hope it goes the way of community on Yahoo screen and loses like $40 million. So, <laughs> oh, you're very bitter. Go, Dan. I am, man. I'm angry about <laughs> so, this. So I was going, my follow-up question was going to be, but do you hate the idea enough not to pay for it? But I think you just answered that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so you're not going to pay for it, Daniel? I say that now. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in, exactly. in principle, yes. I hate the idea enough. All right. Righteous indignation aside, Chris, will you be paying for it? Well, so here's the deal. Um, I, I did not. I never heard about C, CBS All Access until about a week ago when I got my new Apple TV, and this is like a, a part of that. It's an option for you to uh, to download that app uh, from CBS and subscribe. And I can't find anywhere how much it actually costs per month. Does anybody know what the the, the number is? Oh, I mean, it's like five ninety nine. So it's five ninety nine. So you know, I'm guessing it's a monthly deal. You know, I'm just thinking for me as far as the way that I do television right now, because I don't own a you know a cable subscription, so I could actually care less how CBS is going to distribute it. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to purchase it either just a the the the, the whole season as a whole from from iTunes, which costs between thirty and fifty dollars depending upon what the how long the run is. You know, so I'm used to paying you know like a dollar ninety nine, two dollars ninety nine cents per episode anyway. So yeah, this is fine. I don't care as long as it's a good show. 
uh, as long as it's they're, they're making something that's really great, I'm excited. I cannot wait to see Star Trek again. So I could honestly, I could care less how CBS decided to distribute this. Uh, I'm not up in arms about it. I, I could honestly care less as long as I can get me some good Star Trek. The fact that Alex Kurtzman is a part of it does worry me a little bit because right. the reason why I've always loved the Star Trek television show is because they've got a longer time to, to tell wonderful science fiction stories. And if we're just going to get an action-adventure show set in space and pretending to be a Star Trek show, that's going to make me upset. But if we're going to get right. something that is truly, wonderfully the science fiction that I'm used to from my Star Trek television shows, I'm all in. But I'm just going to wait for that. We don't have any any detail on that. So for me, I am just I'm excited, I'm hopeful, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I think you lost me at CBS and Good Show. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody everybody talks about The Good Wife uh, being oh, a good that's show. that's true. That's a CBS show. Dang uh, you, CBS. It actually is a good show. So they got one. <laughs> well, no, they have uh, a couple of others, too, that I, I was just looking at, you know, because because it's a part of the Apple TV um, universe now, I was just looking to see if it would be worth even getting. And um, they seem to have a, one or two of those that I've noticed that have been somewhat creatively, uh, creatively, did I just say that? I like it. <laughs> I, like it. <laughs> I, like it. Mind, I don't know what I'm saying. Forget it. The Amazing Race. I enjoy The Amazing no. Race. No? You don't no. like that? That's good. All right, Joshua, what do you think? I am just so refreshed to have a, a compatriot <laughs> on the show in in the form of Daniel this time. This is just this is wonderful. I echo everything he said right up until the end, where he caved and said he would probably buy it anyway. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> you I'm did. pretty sure you did if you, you roll back it. the tape. <laughs> but yeah, I- exactly what he said. I would like to see a new Star Trek show, except um, Alex Kurtzman new Star Trek movies. Um, I consider well. I was going to say I consider them non-canon, but like Chris is the ultimate Star Trek canon representative here. So, <laughs> but CBS is I this whole streaming platform move is just like Daniel said. It's this big greed play, and they think they have enough strong enough shows, a strong enough lineup. They do to warrant people subscribing exclusively to them as a streaming platform instead of just joining Hulu, joining one of the other ones out there. They're like, no, we want our own money. Come pay us for it. Yeah. And they have some of the highest rated people. television shows in yeah. I mean they, they do I, I am aware that they have that. Yeah, and, and it's I, mainly because and of my grandparents and they're not exactly, going to get totally. access. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's not true. It's again like they're making a big push on a lot of these digital platforms like Roku and Chrome and uh and uh, Apple TV, they're they're trying to make their space. I haven't seen anything on my Roku or my Chromecast. About. You will, you will. They're starting. They're they're ramping it up. I think they want to get all the people out there like idea, like oh yeah, this is a thing. And then we in about see. six months, it'll. Hey, be guess good. what? I don't care. It's CBS, dude. <laughs> yeah. uh, CBS has That's... always been Star Trek, though. This 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 is not nothing new. CBS has always owned Star Trek from the very beginning. This is the same people. That's what I'm really, really upset about is even though people like us always say, ah, CBS, they suck, but they really are like by a mile the highest. Oh, no doubt. Is, there's oh, a, yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, so frustrating. No doubt. <laughs> it really is. It is. Some things cannot be understood. Because Melody? of the Big Bang Theory. That's the, yeah, that's <laughs> oh, the one. The and, and CIS. C, yeah, CSI and Big Bang Theory are the worst. Melody, you have any thoughts about this? I know you're a hardcore Trekkie. I don't know that our listeners can appreciate the full 
trekkiness of Chris and Melody. <laughs> I mean, you guys have done some pretty insane things. Stories. I, I was going to say, I'm not sure how Chris got dubbed the uh, official Star Trek canon guide. Cause That's I'm, true. You I'm did pretty win sure, those trivia battles, I'm didn't pretty you? sure I could beat him in a trivia battle. But uh, yeah, and okay. I'm so pretty sure you did beat and me did. in a trivia and battle. That's why you married me. That's why I married you. That's right. Absolutely, great it's great. That's so romantic. <laughs> I love you, honey. <laughs> I honestly am. I don't know if I'm hopeful or not, but I know that I will be paying the money to watch it and hoping that it's good because I love Star Trek. And part of me feels like if they are going to get this thing off the ground, which I don't really like, but I understand it's a brave new world. People want to make money where they can make money. Like, if they are going to get this off the ground, Star Trek is one of those franchises that has a giant fan base. And that fan base will probably pay the money as opposed to just doing it with some random show that nobody's ever heard of and nobody cares about. So it's not a terrible idea. I hope it's a great show. I'm not holding my breath for a great show, but I'm hopeful. And I will pay for it. Guys, all all I have to say is that if you pay for CBS All Access, not only do you get the new Star Trek show, but also CSI Cyber with James Vanderbeek. <laughs> oh dear. So let me let me just say one last thing and then I'll shut up about this. So so I, I think I represent a lot of young twenty somethings who don't have cable but want to spend as little money as possible on on entertainment like this. And so what, like I think AMC is a great example. I don't have cable. Uh, so I don't have AMC, and um, and so I don't spend money. But they have a lot of amazing shows that that honestly, if they had something like CBS All Access, uh, I would probably pay for it. But I don't, and and um, so I just end up waiting. If I do really want to see any of those shows, I wait till they're on Netflix or or somewhere else. I don't pay for them, even though those ones are really definitely worth paying for. And so I think CBS All Access will be the same way. People will be like, oh yeah, I want to watch that show, but I don't want to pay six bucks a month. Oh well, and then they just won't watch the show, you know. So I think obviously diehard Trekkie fans are definitely going to pay for whatever. But I don't know. There's a lot of diehard Trekkie fans out there. There are, no doubt, enough to make it successful. So absolutely. Like I said, I mean, if it's six bucks a month, I mean, again, the 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 cost works out. I mean, that's a lot cheaper than even, like I said, paying for the show straight up. So that's true. Yeah. I mean, why not? You get it right away. Yep. True. Plus James Vanderbeek. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. CSI Cyber. I've always waited. I've wanted to see that show and now I'll be able to. I didn't even know that existed. I'm looking at this. I, I feel like this is like a an, 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 an a SNL prank. script. Exactly. Like, Star, starring current Oscar winner Patricia Arquette. <laughs> is oh yeah wow this is unbelievable i'm actually exploring this right now i have to stop this right now insane. i must insist <laughs> no. i must no. insist that no, we end. ended that nicely so moving on from star trek to another another very high profile film that's going to be released it's this little film called star wars uh we'll link in our show notes to an article uh, an pretty exhaustive interview that Wired did with J.J. Abrams talking about taking over the mantle of the the Star Wars franchise and the unbelievable amount of pressure that is on his shoulders to deliver something uh, considered worthy of what's come before if we pretend episodes one, two, and three uh, didn't exist. Although I'm sure, Daniel, those are probably his favorite films of all time, but we'll get to that in a minute. (sighs) So a couple of things of note in this article that I found very refreshing. And let me just say this. uh, In looking at this article and reading it, I kept waiting for the for the one thing where I was like, oh, no, or the the thing that made me nervous. And I just – 
I'm probably setting myself up for the worst crash in the history of expectations. <laughs> but everything that I read and everything that I see just makes me more and more hopeful. The hype and is real. It's real. It is so real. You know, one of the great things about this script is that it was co-written with with Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Empire Strikes Back and part of uh, Return of the Jedi. And they've been working on this together. And their whole thing was our only requirement was that. Larry Kasdan and I imposed on ourselves that the movie needed to be delightful. And I think that's really one of the things that was missing from the first three is that it just felt very cold and and, and very distant and not at all uh, in the spirit of, of the original uh, of the original series. What do you guys think about that approach that they, they literally said if it didn't make it delightful, it didn't make it into the script? That's a pretty vague. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vague thing to say. It makes me worry. Sure, actually. I agree. That makes me worried to say that it is meant to be delightful. I guess you don't like I, to be delighted, Chris. No, I do. But when they say the whole, mo- the movie as a whole, if as long as the movie as a whole is delightful, but every second and every moment needed to be delightful. There's moments in this the the trailer that I see do not that do not look delightful. I don't know how I would. Well, I think that's delightful in the context of the Star Wars universe Correct. and the things sure. that we would sure. love to see in the new Star Wars movie. So I think J.J. Abrams. Hope. He's a big Star Wars fan. In fact, he admitted to that being a much bigger Star Wars fan than he ever was a Star Trek fan. So this for him is, you know, the only thing I worry about is these feel like fan films given a huge budget. Do you know what I mean? Um, and uh, that's the only thing I'm worried about is that this just seems a little more surface and not really in touch. But everything I've seen says the exact opposite. This yeah. looks <laughs> awesome. I don't feel that at all, Chris. Yeah. I think no, you've lost I, your mind. <laughs> No, no. What do you mean? No, no. That's no. just what he was worried about. And but they've actually given them a real director as opposed to being normal fan films. You know, it's right. right totally. I totally. Except, you know, it's J.J. Abrams. So eh. yeah. Well, one of the interesting things there to dovetail on Josh's hatred of J.J. is um, they were talking specifically about trying to get the story right and trying to find the balance specifically of the things that were fan service but also would help make this a self-contained story with a beginning, middle, and an end that would stand alone. And I thought it was very interesting that that J.J. Abrams actually said, and I'm quoting here, I'm not saying that I'm not proud of my past work, but the fact is I remember actually starting to shoot both Super 8 and Star Trek Into Darkness and feeling like I hadn't solved some fundamental story problems. I think if we were to, I know Star Trek Into Darkness for sure, not a lot of people are are huge fans of, and I know a lot of people don't like Super 8 either, but I thought that was very interesting for a director to just come right out and say that, whereas this one, he feels like they have all of those problems solved. Uh, Are you guys fans of Super 8 or Star Trek Into Darkness? Not Josh, we already know your answer, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, Star Trek Into Darkness specifically? Yeah, no, I I enjoyed that movie, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Melody, you did too? I didn't like it. I didn't like it as much as the first one. I had some problems with it, but I did. I mean, I still loved it, honestly. Yeah, I, th- I think he's trying to do a similar thing with, um, you know, the, the the character of Khan in Star Trek Into Darkness. And, yeah, uh, if Luke- you don't like that, then you're just not going to like that movie. Well, and then also here in Luke Skywalker's uh, character, because we don't know a lot about him. J.J. loves to do this whole, if you haven't seen J.J.'s talk uh, he gave at a TED conference, uh, to where he talks about the mystery box and like you never quite have all the pieces and that's the kind of story he likes to tell. I see a lot of similarities here uh, where he's got pieces that he's withholding on purpose so that when we sit down in the theater and then he's doing a lot better job 
uh, on this film, uh, keeping those things secret, which is actually quite impressive when you think about how big of a movie this is. So, I, yeah, I'm ready to be delighted. Uh, I'm ready to sit down and be delighted. In fact, we just bought our tickets today to yeah. go see. I've already uh, bought mine, too. Yeah. So. Yep, same. I'm sure Josh has as well, right, Josh? Yeah, man. He's ready. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what are we talking about? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so ra- wrapping up, one of the things that he did say at the very end is something he said publicly, and I think it's the one thing that it'll make the Star Wars fans very happy. And he said, you know, I almost didn't take this film because I'm, I know that you can't take on this this kind of responsibility and I don't do so lightly. And he said, I'm just going to do my best to make something that everybody will love. And if the trailers are any indication of it, I think that this movie is going to make a lot of money. It's going to be great. By the way, this art, this trailer. wired article is beautiful. This wired article is amazing. Yeah. It's uh, great. Wired's done some good stuff recently. It's beautiful. Number two. So one of the most difficult things you can possibly do as a filmmaker is to make a sequel to a beloved film. And oftentimes those sequels very rarely live up to the expectations of the original. J.J. Abrams has a very hard task in front of him indeed. But there are a rare breed of sequels that end up being better than the original. I'm telling you what, it's very, very rare. We found an article, if you go on our Facebook page, talking about the 17 movies, the sequels, that are better than the original. And so I was curious if you guys have a particular sequel that you love more than the original. Maybe it's not considered better in most people's eyes, but maybe for you, you just hold the sequel to uh, uh, maybe a personal level that you love, or maybe you just think it's better overall. So, Melody, are there any sequels that you enjoy better than the original. Well, sure. I mean, I think the article nailed like all the obvious classic big movie ones like The Dark Knight or The Empire Strikes Back or The Wrath of Khan. In my opinion, those are like probably my personal top three, um, especially from that list. Um, And I think, honestly, I agree with pretty much everyone on that list. I think maybe there's a couple I haven't seen, actually. But all the ones I've seen, I agree. Only thing that I could maybe add, which I know when will be surprised about, is... No, this is not a sequel. It's the third one in the series. But (laughs) Indiana Jones of the Last Crusade. (laughs) You guys know that I love that one because I talked about it. But anyways, okay, but I did have a creative answer since... We were talking earlier about creative answers. So this popped into my head in our previous jump cut. But perhaps an answer could be a television series where the sequel series was better than the original. And in that case, I would clearly say Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, good call, Melody. Way better than the original series. So there, there's my creative answer you're welcome people all right melody wins well done yeah chad how about you do you have a sequel you prefer i do and i tried to i tried to find ones that were not as widely accepted and as usual (laughs) i'm old and i can go back to the stuff that you guys don't even remember so one i've I've decided to make it my quest to to try and reference a horror movie in every show just to make josh angry (laughs) And so, As if I didn't want to be here. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to be here any less. <laughs> oh exactly. Gosh. You're welcome. So the first one is Evil Dead 2. It's the sequel to 
Evil Dead, which was Sam Raimi's uh, directorial debut was Evil Dead. And it, it became it was made for next to nothing, became a cult classic. Uh, and it has that typical Raimi flair where it's funny, but over the top gore and just just really, really entertaining to watch. It's really not even a horror movie, to be honest with you. But Evil Dead 2, the remake, which came later, essentially, uh, or the sequel, excuse me, just essentially took everything in the first one and then amped it up into an even greater level. So it's great, Evil Dead 2. Another one that we watched at my house a lot, my house was a house full of music, and so we always sang and, and loved things with music, and that is Sister Act 2. Oh, so yes. <laughs> oh wow. The original, That's true. The That's original true. Sister Act is, is pretty good, but Sister Act 2, she made a choir, and that would like hit us right in the sweet spot for me. If anybody <laughs> knows my family, you know, that's it. So it's just full of great music, and we probably watched that movie 50 times or more. More just just for the music. So Sister Act Two for me would be like the sweet spot. Uh, but my last one is one that I couldn't leave this list without doing the 1980 Superman Two, the Richard Donner sequel to the original Superman starring Christopher Reeve, is just excellent and better than the first one in every way. So that's it. Those are mine. Sister Act Two. We still have uh, in our family a just a family inside joke where you know ever if somebody doesn't hear you, we always slam the floor and say check your batteries uh, <laughs> from that movie. Anyway, so it's I good. love Sister Act Two. It's a great it movie. Yeah. Josh, have you ever watched two movies? Can you answer this question? That is a very, very good question. Very hurtful. Very good <laughs> I looked through more sequels than I care to recount um, in order to research what I might say for this question. Mm. And I came up with very, very little. You see a lot of, on this, uh, this list in this article, you see a couple of movies that I don't know whether I really would qualify them for this question in the sense that they're superhero movies or they're movies that were designed to be a trilogy or designed to be more than one movie. So I don't know whether that really counts. If it does count, The Dark Knight is on that list. Um, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and maybe even Two Towers I liked better than the first one. Of course, that partially has to do with the first one being exposition and all that. But if I want to stay away from movies like that, I might have to go with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. All right. Which... That's good. It might be because I haven't seen European or Vegas as matter. much as Christmas, <laughs> yeah. but Christmas is just great. It's a good one. That's, That's a good, good answer. Very yeah, good that, that really That's is. And there's also a little-known movie that I didn't even know had been made, but there is a sequel to The Omega Code called Megiddo, The Omega Code 2. And uh, Stop it. it. Oh, oh, I've no. seen that one. <laughs> stop it, Josh. That's a great one. <laughs> Stop it. It is better than the original, but that's not uh, saying much. Okay, uh, Daniel, how about you? Wait, we can't, we can't gloss over that. You've seen those movies, Chris? <laughs> of course, yeah. Oh, what? Okay, never mind. I saw the first one. I, Let, let's I just on. remember. They're, 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 they're terrible on, on so, many, so many levels. I believe uh, it. I believe terrible. it. Okay, uh, yes, Daniel, uh, how about you, man? Yeah, so uh, definitely my favorite sequel of all time would be Attack of the Clones. No, I'm just kidding. Was, <laughs> oh, yes. I was, I was so waiting for the... I was so stunned that I couldn't <laughs> say anything. Everything you couldn't was, have led with Tempo of the Crystal Skull? Everything was... Oh, that, I should have... Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, no. Um, yeah. you're, you're anticipating, I know you're anticipating San Andreas 2 is really what you're excited right. about. Anyway... Just released. But no, uh, I really don't have a, a super creative answer for this. Um, uh, you know, pretty much all of the best sequels are, of course, you know, big action set pieces, just like Josh was saying a few examples that i could think of were um the born trilogy i think every single film well 
I think uh, Born Supremacy improved on the first one, and then Ultimatum improved on the second. So uh, Born Ultimatum is just a fantastic movie. I agree. Um, so that's a great one. And then all the Mission Impossible films as well, those sort of go in an upward fashion. No, two is not better than one. Two okay. is awful. Right. But other than that, three and then four. So uh, Ghost Protocol is an incredible film, and obviously we talked about five in an earlier episode. And, and then uh, another great recent example is Mad Max Fury Road, um, definitely one of the best sequels of all time. That was an f- absolutely fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yes, I Josh agrees too. Yeah, yeah, I figured. But if I'm being honest with myself, uh, I have to go with the most cliched answer of all time, which would be The Dark Knight. I think that's every fanboy uh, who's ever seen uh, any of the Batman movies will say Dark Knight's their favorite film. But that really is just one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. So nice, great pick. All right, so my obvious pick was one that I've already mentioned a couple times. I think in the last like three episodes, this movie keeps coming up, and I think it it absolutely is the best sequel because. It was a movie that was not planned to exist when the first one came out, so there was no planned trilogy. That would be Terminator 2. That movie took uh, everything from the first film and turned it on its head and made it so much better. Where the first one is kind of like a thriller, not a horror film, but very close to that. You know, the the, the main character is being hunted and and, and very powerless. In the sequel, she is uh, very much in control and powerful and uh, does some crazy amazing things. And I I just love that movie on so many levels. It's infinitely watchable. It's a great movie. If you've not seen Terminator 2, I can't imagine that you're listening to this podcast and you haven't, but please do. But if I was thinking more creatively, I, I definitely have to say that, you know, we already talked about Star Trek to death, but Star Trek First Contact, I think, is the yeah. best Star Trek movie. It's debatable. Uh, well, yeah, it's, of course it's debatable, but uh, I really like that film a lot, especially with the disappointment that was Star Trek Generations. When First Contact came out, the the sequel to Generations, I was really just blown away and pumped and excited about what that series might be, and it never quite lived up to First Contact. But that movie is great. Number three. Well, there are a lot of movies and TV shows to choose from, and we, the screeners, can't always watch the same things. But we always want to be updating you guys on great options for you to watch. So we've each got some suggestions for you from what we've been watching lately. So we'll start with Melody. What have you been watching lately? Well, I have been, I finished up the Project Greenlight season, which was interesting. And then we watched maybe half of the film that uh, came out of of the season it was Um, that good it was that good yep yep uh one of these days we might get back to it and finish it 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 was a fine watch i'm not sure that i would promote it highly or whatever but uh it was project Greenlight. i feel like they just rewrote history a lot and actually there was a really interesting article on slash film about it about all the stuff that revisionist history i believe is how uh, the one character put it. So anyways, it was all right. The movie, I'm not impressed. So too bad. All right. So not exactly a high recommendation. From <laughs> so we Melody. should watch that as well. <laughs> I mean, right away. <laughs> wow. Don't delay. All right, Chad, what have you been watching lately? I'm really late to this party, but my wife and I were scrolling through Netflix the other day and just trying to find a new television show to watch together. Cause we try to always have like a show or a movie or something that we're watching together. And we decided, we've heard a lot about it, and I know a lot about personally about the production of it, but I've never watched any of it. So we thought, let's 
see about this American horror story. And so I think there are five or six seasons of that at this point. And so we jumped in with the first episode. And it's made by Ryan. One of the creators is Ryan Murphy, who's a co-creator of Glee. You know, I was like, that seems like an odd pairing, but I've heard some pretty good things. Let's check it out. And I have to be honest, the first two episodes of the first season, I thought I had stumbled on to one of the great literally one of the great shows of our time. It was really well done, very interesting, very messed up in a way like you watch things that seemingly make no sense, which is a typical, that's kind of in his style. He's not known for his his narrative competency, but it was done in a way that was very engaging, very interesting, uh, somewhat scary. And then as we begin to watch more and more and more, I realized that I was watching a soap opera for ghosts, Mm. a literal (laughs) soap opera for ghosts. And while at the same time being very intrigued because I wanted to know what was happening, I still couldn't. I was like, if these if these people and I'm not I don't want to spoil anything because there are ghosts in this American Horror Story season one. I was like, if these people weren't ghosts, this would just be like a straight up soap opera uh, (laughs) with jump scares. But that said, we did we we finished the entire first season. And I have to say that overall as a season, it's pretty interesting. It gets worse as the season goes along and it gets more absurd. And if they if they had stuck to their guns. Uh, And with the tone of like the first two episodes, it could have really been something special. And even as it is, it's a massive success and and people seem to love it. It was very interesting to to come late to that game and see, have any of you guys watched any of that? I'm going to guess no. No, I have. I've seen the full first full season and most of season two. Okay, so I haven't started season two. I think we may watch it. Just now, let me say this: the acting, the acting across the board was pretty great. Really solid performances. Uh, But yeah, it's at the end of the day, it's like yeah, it's a soap opera for ghosts. But so I I would say we enjoyed it. I I would recommend it. I guess I don't know. So a certain uh, to a certain group of people, uh, if you like to be disturbed and. slightly disgusted yeah that's right. Uh, there's there's well, the, a twisted nature to that to it that is. show and the first two the first like i said the, the first two episodes messed up in a good way like i thought wow this is right. crazy i don't know what's happening and then right. i was like oh that's what's happening so anyway so that's what i've been watching all right so i guess we're over two on recommendations now let's uh go josh <laughs> if you've been watching anything that you can recommend well, i mean let's to be honest with you i watched the whole season so i mean i'm kind of a hypocrite so i watch right. it it is yeah. it is infinitely watchable. you do like soap operas Chad. it's watchable that's it's true you Sorry. watch this back to back with gray's anatomy you'll mm-hmm. be good to go <laughs> no it's dead to me yeah so i haven't had enough had time really to watch anything new per se We've been doing a lot of catch up and it's sad that some of the shows that we watch are like hour long shows and so we only get a chance to catch up on a couple at a time. So right now we've been watching this season of The Voice um, for any reality fans out there. Mm-hmm. And I will say that this season of The Voice might be the best season yet. There's been what, like eight or nine of them and this is really strong if yeah. you like like music and singers. Um, so that... And we've also been catching up with, and this happens an hour every night, so we'll never be caught up, but The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, as I get done bashing CBS and saying <laughs> it's a That's terrible That's the other one. That's the other one that they, they are doing, heavily promoting. No, and yeah, 
they're heavily promoting it by offering five episodes for free on their website. And if you want more, subscribe to CBS All Access because we won't put them anywhere else because we're jerks. That's what I'm talking yep. about. Yep. Or just yep. record it on your DVR. Yeah, well, we do that. But there was a, you know, Thursday night football pushes it back and screws up all the DVR stuff. It's a whole big thing. Anyways. <laughs> so now we just record for two hours every night and say forget it. But Colbert is great. He's coming into his own as a late-night host in the vein of the other late-night hosts, but still keeping his own personality and kind of keeping his Comedy Central show largely intact. And the only sore spot is the band, which I don't know where they got those guys. But it's a great show, and that's all I got. Nothing new because my TV watching habits are boring. All right, so, so far, Josh has liked more shows than uh, Chad and Melody. <laughs> yeah, right. so Chris, Chris, what do you have for us? So, actually, um, very much connected with Ch- what Chad was talking about, American Horror Story, because it was Halloween, I decided to, after talking with a couple of friends who um, also recommended this, decided to watch Scream Queens. Have you guys heard of oh, this yeah. show? I yeah, have, I watch it. I watch it. You watch it? I do. It is so okay. Uh-oh. Seeing all the promotional materials for this, I was like, "That that this show is not for me. I'm not interested in any way, shape, or form." And then I went out to eat and uh, went to go see a horror film with a couple of my friends about a week week or so ago because it's Halloween time. That's what you do. And they were like, "Dude, you should watch Scream Queens." And I'm like, "That is not at all. That seems silly and stupid." And I was like, fine, I'll go home. And when I go home, I'll watch one episode and just try it and see. Uh, five episodes later, oh, I, no. I yep. am into it. It <laughs> yep, is no. yep. really yeah, – thank you, Daniel. So you're enjoying it too, huh? That's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone. Yeah, to a certain extent. I can tell oh, that, that probably – very resounding. Well, no, it's exactly, he's ashamed. He's ashamed. I am. I'm very ashamed. Very, <laughs> and very ashamed. and I, I'm a little hesitant to mention it too, but I, it, if, if you enjoy – uh, something like American Horror Story, like a really stylized, like the, especially the pilot episode is so well shot, like just incredible camera stuff done with uh, with with the pilot of a show. It is it is American Horror Story and Glee mashed. That's exactly it. It, it is it is that it and that it, it's a it's a slasher film taken over the course uh, in this ridiculous alternate universe. Um, it's just, it's okay. Crazy. So let me just say this. I, I haven't really done any research on this show. So while you were right. talking, I went to the Fox's page Yes, and this literally looks like a teenage romantic yep. comedy thing. And so right. I just want to say, I am forever absolved of any of your comments about Grey's Anatomy. That's all I want to no, say. No, that's no, all I want to say. That's all. I'm no, saying. you're not. This is so much more stylish than that. Yeah. This knows what it's doing. This this is a smart, <laughs> a smart. It's it's it's, yeah. it's aware. You know what I mean? It's a postmodern, crazy, aware of itself show. It knows how stupid and ridiculous it's being. No one is a real person. They're they're mm-hmm. all yeah. character. Uh, like they're all very much caricatures that you're familiar with in other horror films smashed into this into this space it's it's hilarious i mean you've got the jock you've got the older wiser uh you know principal you've got the popular girl you've got the smart girl you got and it literally all of those caricatures are just there and they it's it's really it's it's quite 
good. Uh, I'm enjoying it. So I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if it's going to be a, you know, end up being great. Um, but the first, you know, three or four episodes at least were um, really a lot of fun. And then in addition to that, I also watched a movie called The Final Girls. Have you guys seen The Final Girls? Okay, so The Final Girls is a – look it up. Go to iTunes and look it up or go uh, to Google and, and search for it. Um, it is a slasher film. Uh, in slasher films, the girl who makes it uh, to all the way to the end is called a final girl, right? So she's the one who makes it. Uh, and this is very much in the same vein as Scream Queens except completely in another in another way. But this is really funny. Uh, it's got the guy from – Silicon Valley. He's in it as well as which guy? <laughs> the main character from Silicon Valley. Oh, Richard. Yes, I can't uh, remember his name. He Thomas is in Middlebitch. it. Yes, he is in it um, as well as the the boyfriend character from Modern Family. There's just a lot of like bit actors that you're familiar with that are in this movie, and it's funny. It's fun. It is hilarious. It is uh, just it's brilliant. Uh, I would suggest if you got an hour and a half. Please, I cannot suggest it higher. Rent this or buy it even. If you're a fan of the genre of slasher films, this is awesome. It is really a great time. It's called The Final Girls. It's great. Finally, a raving review from from one of us. And I've got a couple more coming your way. So as I've mentioned before on the podcast, I am very much obsessed with the Oscars. And so um, every year it's my goal to watch all the nominated films, excluding uh, foreign and, and documentary films. So, so we're trying to watch every film that's nominated for an Oscar. And so um, I'm well uh, on my way into my Oscar prep this year uh, as we're in Oscar season. And so, so I've been seeing a lot of those. So last week I saw a movie called Brooklyn. It stars Saoirse Ronan. And uh, it's just it's it's just it's a romance. Uh, it's not it's not anything groundbreaking, but you know it was it was very enjoyable. It was a pretty solid romantic drama about a, a an Irish woman who who immigrates to America and uh, is just conflicted between her homeland and new life in America. So yeah, if you like romantic dramas, you know I know that's not for everybody, but if you like that sort of thing, it is it's it's really really enjoyable, very entertaining, and so I enjoyed that one a lot. And and uh, Saoirse Ronan should be probably looking forward to a, an Oscar nomination for that. And maybe the movie might get a few other nominations as well. So yeah, so that's a, definitely one to recommend to uh, your wife, probably. Uh, I know my wife loved it quite a bit. And then, so that that one's opening wide this weekend, wider. It's it's in just a few uh, few cities right now, and it should be opening a little wider on November 13th. And then also a few weeks ago, I saw a, a film that I have been raving about to everybody uh, that I can possibly talk to, including the screeners, uh, none of which have taken my advice to see it. And that would be Room. This movie is just absolutely incredible. You have to go see it. You just have to go see it right now. Uh, is it, it should, out right now? It's it's playing, I believe it's playing fairly wide. I know it's playing here in Atlanta. So I, I believe it's playing uh, wide. Look it up. If it is playing near you, go right now. So Room is is about the story. I know the, the plot doesn't uh, doesn't capture people uh, when I tell it to them, but but I promise you it's worth it. It's the story of a woman who, who is uh, kidnapped uh, when she's 17 or so, and, and she has a baby in captivity. And, and so when we start the film, the, the, the baby, the boy is... Is, is five years old, and uh, the mom has raised him to believe that the room that they're li- staying in, the room that they're in captivity, is 
the entire world. So he thinks room is everything. That's all there is. And it's just about them living in captivity and handling it. And it's just, it's one of the most impactful films I've seen in a long time. Uh, emotionally, just, it'll, it'll wreck you in the best way. And um, uh, it's just outstanding completely. It, at the Oscars, it'll be, it'll be playing in every category, possible best picture, uh, wow, screenplay. you think so? Um, okay. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying win. I'm saying it'll, it'll, it'll be nominated for, for all these things. Absolutely. And, and especially actress, um, I could definitely right now, now I, I absolutely could see her winning the Oscar for Best Actress, um, but she'll for sure be nominated. No, no question about it right there. And then also the, the kid in it, I'm not sure if he'll get an Oscar nomination, but he should. Um, uh, Jacob Tremblay, I believe he's only seven years old, and he is just, I mean, it's, it's an amazing performance. If he can get an Oscar nomination, that would be incredible, but, uh, but no promises on that one. So go see it right now. Go see it. I'm telling you. You will be very. Am I gonna hate you if I do, Daniel? Uh, I I can't promise you won't, but I, <laughs> I promise it's it's an absolutely impactful movie. Um, it, it's seriously a very powerful film. So after those recommendations, let's move on to our main event. Welcome to the main event. All right, guys, for our main event this week, we are reviewing the brand new Bond film Spectre. Da-da, da-da. 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 Car shaking, not stirred. Shoot you with my watch. Movie da-da. over. Da-da. <laughs> I forgot the sex. Uh, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The IMDb description for this film is a cryptic message from Bond's past sends him on a trail to uncover a sinister organization. While M battles political forces to keep the Secret Service alive, Bond peels back the layers of deceit to reveal the terrible truth behind Spectre. So, obviously, this is a highly anticipated release, the fourth uh, Daniel Craig Bond film. And so, let's just get our discussion started, maybe with a brief rundown of your connection and or love for and or hate for the Bond franchise, and then brief thoughts as to what you thought of this film. So, Chris, let's start with you. This movie, okay, so my my history with the Bond franchise is that I love Bond. Um, I saw uh, GoldenEye, uh, and that uh, really inspired me to learn more about it. I ended up buying all of the movies on VHS and just becoming a big fan of of the series and, and of the character itself. And uh, I was very much uh, worried about Daniel Craig because I felt like he was – completely wrong for Bond. But as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Casino Royale ended up being one of my very favorite remakes of um, of this character, going back to his his roots and, and just exploring the very beginning of who 007 is. And um, so I've enjoyed all the films. Uh, people, for some reason, don't like Quantum of Solace. I understand that it's not the best film ever, uh, but I don't feel like it was a, a bad movie in any way. It's terrible. Uh, it really isn't. Um, but anyway, so Spectre. Uh, this movie opens in an awesome way. It's a one shot. I mean, obviously, I know that they did it creatively. But uh, for all intents and purposes, it's just one one shot. It starts with um, Daniel Craig in, in the streets, a heavily crowded street, and then follows him up into a building. And then you learn why he's there. And it's just beautifully shot. Uh, this is a wonderfully great looking film. It is, it's a lot of fun. This movie is exciting. It is thrilling. It is, it starts off with a bang and it just, it just keeps going. And for a long time bond lover, it delivers on all the levels. Is it ridiculous? Absolutely. Do things happen in this movie that would never happened in real life? 
totally. But this is Bond, um, and it is, for all intents and purposes, a great Bond film. Uh, it's what you want when you're talking about Spectre, and uh, I, I think they did a really good job. There's some silly things that happen. There's some coincidences that are almost um, difficult to swallow. For the most part, I think it does a great job of delivering on the promises that Casino Royale, uh, that uh, Quantum of Solace, and Skyfall um, have given us. It's a good uh, bookend of this story that we've been following this entire time, and uh, I quite enjoyed it. I had a good time, quite thrilling time, Inspector. All right. Daniel, what about you? Yeah. Uh, w- as far as my history with Bond films, uh, I, re- I love all of them, uh, and, and my thoughts are pretty similar to to Chris's before Skyfall came out three years ago, my roommate and I watched all three or all watched through all of the Bond films, all 22 of them at that point and caught up. And so I could really sort of narrow my thoughts down on, on what I thought of all the Bond films. And uh, it just sort of reinforced, uh, even though I, I do love the majority of the films, Daniel Craig's run is just by a mile for me the best. And so Casino Royale and Skyfall are, are without a question, the best two Bond films. And so, yeah, i really love Daniel Craig's run as, as Bond. And so one of the things that I love about his series is that they they sort of attempt to connect with each other more, far more than the, the previous Bonds did. Um, they're not exactly like tied together, but they just, they, they hint back at each other from time to time. And, and he's affected by what happened in the previous film. Uh, whereas with like Roger Moore, each movie was just completely uh, its own thing. Skyfall perfected that, in my opinion. He perfected the current Bond series by delving into his past more and personalizing his journey. And um, so while Spectre didn't achieve that as much, it's still incredibly entertaining and enjoyable. And and, and I love the fact that it, 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 probably more than Skyfall, tied into the uh, uh, the other three movies a lot more. They, they all tied uh, together without being too over the top or too uh, too far-fetched. And so, um, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed this film. Uh, not quite as much as Skyfall, but but uh, quite a bit. One thing I'll say is I am getting a little tired of this trend in every single spy movie nowadays where the spy is disowned by his government agency and he has to save the world without their help. I'm, I'm getting really tired of that. So I was a little bummed to see that that was just happening again here. But, you know, that said, uh, the action is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's a really fun watch. Just like Chris said, the opening sequence is is fantastic. Um, I, I loved the way it was done. Really um, is. It's so, it's great. Just all around, just for, from the beginning of that sequence to the end of it, it's just absolutely fantastic. And so, that really benefited, uh, that really started the film off on a great note. And then I, I, I did enjoy the um, Hinks, the new, the new henchman. Um, I thought he was pretty great. He wasn't like as as great as Jaws or Odd Job. I think that's what they were kind of going for. He was so, more mobile than those guys were true. ever, though. He was much more capable of an agent. He seemed a little true. bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely true. But he he wasn't as memorable. I think though, you know, I'm not gonna. Mm. Um, There's a scene that I think I'm gonna remember for the rest <laughs> of my life. It's pretty yeah. messed up. Well, yeah, I'll give you that. But um, but yeah, so I, I, I did like him, though. Uh, so I, I definitely liked him a lot. So um, And then I also loved uh, Leah Sudus. I don't know if, if that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, but I, I thought she was a great partner for Bond in the film. So yeah, overall, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed the film a lot. And it's not quite as impactful as Skyfall or Casino Royale, but it's certainly better than um, Quantum of Solace. Yeah, I love Interesting, loved it. interesting. Well, I have comments, but I'll save them. Josh, <laughs> Josh, did you see... Factor. Well, let me let me just back up a step from <laughs> the scope of this discussion and say that I feel 
and I think you might agree with me, that a discussion about Bond films is better served by me not taking part in said discussion. <laughs> I think that a, a fair view of the franchise and of any given realization, any given part of the franchise, is best taken on by someone who has some history and some knowledge of the franchise. And I think I've seen uh, Casino Royale. I think that's the one I saw. Uh, this is sad. So, Painful. That's really the only Bond film you've seen? How were you roommates with Chris Farrell so. for two years and never saw a Bond movie? <laughs> I stayed upstairs a lot. Like, whenever I heard <laughs> true, you did. the dialogue, I was just, I was out. Yeah. He was in college. Bond, I spent a lot of time in his room alone. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking, Ooh. isn't it? You can go Shocking. with that. That's go with that where you will. It's all fair speculation. But <laughs> it's fair speculation. Get it all out. What are we talking about here? Eighteen. What are you going to do? Rails. Okay. So you're telling us you didn't see the movie, is what I'm gathering. That yeah, that's what I'm saying because I was being a little facetious, but honestly, I think that. I couldn't really add much to this discussion because I don't have a history with the franchise and I think the idea of the franchise is hackneyed and ridiculous. So, there you have it. Okay. Well, with that, we'll just Ow. move right along to It's wonderful Chad. that you're able to judge well, things that you haven't even seen. Let's just pass it. Let's right. just let it I'm go. I'm judging the idea and the one or two you know realizations it. of you, it that I have seen. You know and that's why I'm saying I didn't see this and I'm not going to say those things about this movie because I think it's an experience that you go through and you either you either find some affinity for it or you don't and I never had the affinity to want to start and go back and watch all the movies. Well Chad let's hear from you. Did you see Spectre? I did. I've seen I'm pretty sure all of the Bond films up to this point and I don't think I would call myself a, a huge Bond fan I don't have any, you know, particular emotional connection to any of them. I, I like all the movies, and I'm always hoping that they're great. But I, I'm not a, I'm not a fanboy per se. And so I went into this uh, coming off of Skyfall with with really, really high expectations. Casino Royale, of course, has already been referenced, and Skyfall I thought was just a marvelous, marvelous film. Uh, Sam Mendes is the director. Gave me nothing but high hopes, but, so so let me get to this. So, the things I liked about this movie, it's already been mentioned, the opening shot and the opening sequence, but in particular the opening shot was marvelous. Uh, it's a beautiful film, it's gorgeous the way that it's shot, uh, everything about it looks, looks wonderful. It has a sequence in here without going into spoilers, there's a scene on a train, that is one of my favorite scenes that I've seen all year. It's a it's a a fight scene, if you will, that I just was like, this is marvelous stuff. There's no music. I yeah, mean, it's, it's, well, in the first half of that yeah, scene, it's just it's just, just the, oh, great. so good. Now, don't get me started on why he was on the train or how he got on the train, but whatever. So those are the those and, and Daniel Craig. I agree. Daniel Craig is by far my favorite Bond. I, I think that he is. He's wonderful in, in, in that role. And that's all that I liked about this movie. This movie is extremely disappointing to me. I can't, it doesn't even feel like it's a Sam Mendes film to me. I don't, what? except for the opening sequence, which was <laughs> off the charts. This is not the same guy that made Road to Perdition and Skyfall and American Beauty. It's just, just not. I was never thrilled or excited. I never felt any kind of tension because it went into. And I know Chris, you know, Chris said you expect it to be 
unrealistic and to a to a degree that is true but you can only push that so far before it gets into cartoon land and this movie lives squarely in cartoon land which is exactly what happened lives in bond land no sir no sir no there's a no there's a line there it's exactly what happened with the pierce brosnan films as they oh no dude hold on let me finish let me finish yes the first two or three brosnan movies are really good and then it gets into glass houses and lasers okay this movie has some of the dumbest things I've ever seen. We're talking about airplane chases down with cars down the sides mm-hmm. of mountains crashing <laughs> Which through was awesome. barn. No, it was what not. A great it was moment. not. It was not awesome, Chris. It was what? so dumb. There's only so far. There's only so far that I can be pushed to scret to stretch how much I can accept as as being not real or or implausible. And and I, there's only so many times I can do that before I lose all connectedness to any sort of anything related to the film. Sky and, and so here's the problem. Coming off of Skyfall, these movies, other than the way that they look. They're not related whatsoever as far as tone and empathy and your connection to what's happening. This is like a cartoon compared to a a real movie when you put these two side by side. So I was completely let down. I thought the... I thought the women characters in here were completely wasted. I didn't I it was so many dumb things in this movie. Like all the emotional callbacks that they've had, which I agree Daniel, I do like that they try to thread these together. None of them landed for me because I because we were living in crazy town the whole time. Mm-hmm. All the elaborate setups that they use to try and get Bond are so dumb. They're so dumb. They completely waste Christoph Waltz, who is an amazing actor and could have been a phenomenal villain but he's completely wasted the plot if there was a plot is difficult to follow the backstory is convoluted the character motivations about why they're doing i had to keep reminding myself now why are we going here now why are they going there it's just so convoluted and and just extremely disappointing for me so i I, now i will say there was a one of the things that happened in this movie that's never happened to me before is we sat down in the theater, lights go down, it's a, f- a packed house. We watch all the trailers, and I, you know, they do like the the pre credits roll with like the production companies, and I see this thing for for a Scott Free production company, and I'm like, what? Well, I didn't know this was a, oh, no. a Ridley Scott thing. And then this thing comes up and it's like The Martian. And like everybody in our theater was like, what is this? And they played like the first 15 minutes of The Martian. And we were what? all like, we did not pay to see The Martian. But then what was funny is like when they, when they, people were yelling about it and all this stuff and they finally stopped it. And when they stopped it, it was at like at a really interesting point and everybody was like, oh, turn it back on. <laughs> so anyway, The Martian was great. But this movie was just a big disappointment. I wanted, you got to understand, I wanted to love this movie. I love this director. I love the actors. I love the world. But this movie, I think you, I think you guys are putting blinders on this and just letting your love overtake what you actually saw because I don't think this is a good movie in any way, shape, or form. It's better than Quantum of Solace, but not much, in my opinion. What? All right. Well, that is a a diverse perspective. As for myself, I'll probably fall somewhere in between the middle of you guys. So I love the Bond franchise. I've seen every single one. Um, Daniel Craig is my favorite Bond. Loved Skyfall, loved Casino Royale, and had high hopes for this movie, right? So I will say that I enjoyed every second in the theater watching this movie. I had a good time. I was I was tense and into the action. In fact, there were a couple times, like, I looked down at my hands and I had, like, 
like marks from where my hands were gripping each other because they were and I was like geez Mel relax like it's just a movie so I was very tense and I it absolutely the tone is set by that that first opening scene you're like oh yes Bond and now I remember why I love it so much and so I enjoyed the movie for the most part until the third act and then uh I was distracted by my disappointment with certain things um and it was the the tense thing didn't last for me at the end but uh, then when I go back to thinking about it, if I think about it at all, which I've obviously had to do to prepare to say something for the podcast, I like it less and less and less the more I think about it. And, you know, it, it's just kind of like a thread of like, not only was that not good, but I kind of hate it. There's a lot of that. And it, for all the reasons that, that Chad said, the biggest two to me, because I can I can deal with the silly you know plane chase plane chasing a car all all of that kind of physical silliness I I can deal with that because it's Bond and because I I don't know there's a certain level of ridiculousness that I I just expect from those films I don't love it like I would love them more if they didn't have that level of ridiculousness or if it was more like you know Skyfall that just feels like in a more real world but I do expect that from a Bond movie and I'm okay with it so that stuff didn't bother me. It didn't take me out. But what really disappointed me was the the main girl character. Um, if she would have just been a normal Bond girl, I would have been fine. Like, it's a Bond girl, whatever. But the way that they tried to make their relationship something different uh, just was a giant, giant, giant fail, in my opinion. And we can talk more about it in spoilers or whatever. And then my other big disappointment, uh, like Chad said, was Christoph Waltz. I felt like I was so excited to see this movie specifically because of him, because I know his level of talent and I know like the bad guys he can play. And I was hoping it would be something special. You know, I want like Daniel Craig's arc to have a, a, a good resolution to these stories that they've been building or whatever. And Christoph Waltz to me could have been played, that character could have been played by anybody and it was just a standard Bond bad guy, which I know it's a throwback to Blofeld or whatever. So, you know, that's cool to see his origination story. But uh, it was just so disappointing. I just felt like he was... Christoph Waltz was, was so wasted. And that character was not even very threatening, even though they tried to build him up to be such a threatening character. It didn't work for me at all. So, like, overall... Like I said, I enjoyed the whole movie, and if I do put those blinders on that you were talking about, Chad, and just, like, experience it one time and never think about it again, it's fun. It's a Bond movie. Great. But um, there was a lot of disappointment for me. There you have the initial thoughts. Uh, yeah, let's Anything else you guys want to say before spoilers? Of course. Right? Like, tons. What are you talking about? Yes, absolutely. So, okay, so you're just saying those are the only two things you enjoyed Chad and all and the rest of it was just silly craziness you couldn't get on board with it no the problem is like I stated is that once once a movie lets me go from from the tone that it's trying to create and especially a movie like this even on a movie where I know that the character isn't going to die and that people aren't necessarily in Are danger. Are you saying that opening sequence wasn't didn't no, set the tone properly for you? I clearly said that the best thing about this movie was the opening sequence, and then it immediately went down from there. There was but no. But that, that opening sequence was the most ridiculous thing possible. Like the, I agree. I agree. I agree. The main thing I liked about the opening sequence was the opening shot and the explosion that happened. And then the whole thing with the helicopter, 
I was like, was okay, awesome. Okay, was, okay. was amazing. <laughs> was pretty awesome. Okay. That whole thing was, that was, and was, I knew. I was like, it's super smart for you to beat up the guy that's flying this helicopter because you're not going <laughs> to crash Bond. and kill everybody. And, and that's what they're trying to say is, is that, look, you know what? This is a movie where Bond is so reckless and, 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 and I get you know, it. is I so. Get it. But okay. there's no tension. There's no tension. There's no thrill. There's it's no bond. What are you talking Chris, about? Tension? What I, are you listen, talking about tension for? we're not watching this in a in a vacuum. Okay, I know it's bond, and the very movie that happened right before this, made with the same cast and the same director, was the exhilarating same on every level. Which but is why it's go, mind to, numbing that this one is none time, of those things. When is the last time you watched Skyfall? Uh, two months ago, I owned it on Blu-ray. I've watched it two or three times since so I brought it home. So you would say that that was not as ridiculous as Spectre? Yes, I would say it's not as ridiculous as Spectre. Sure, there are things <laughs> in it that are, but this, but again, that's not. Don't distill my don't distill my argument down to it's not realistic. That's not my. That's just a symptom. The problem here is that this movie doesn't have the same sense of it feels very it feels like i've seen this movie before it feels it doesn't it didn't feel fresh to me it didn't feel and then that's what was so wonderful about skyfall is it felt like oh this is what they're doing with this character i love this let's explore this a little more and then it was like they took five steps back and made there's an entire sequence in Skyfall that was the most uh, insane. Uh, if, if you're if you're trying to think of something that is like you said, like oh, this is what we're trying to do. Like there's a there's a moment where he has to go all around London. Things had to work perfectly sure. in order for the bad guy to do yeah, what he was made trying no to sense. do. No sense. It did. Sure. And, and so what I'm saying is, is that and if you're eight of in those Casino in this Royale, <laughs> there are eight of know, those in this movie. There's there's Let's at least talk- eight of those in Skyfall as uh, well, especially not. when you get back back. I don't want to ruin Skyfall for people who haven't seen it, but there's a lot of coincidences that happen. All I'm saying is, is that for me, I felt like they did a good job of amping up that crazy town stuff. Casino Royale is pretty, pretty mild when it comes to that stuff. At the very end, there's a moment that seems like, whoa, and that's it's very Bond. And then he gets more into his character in Quantum, which I think the reason why people don't like it is because they saw Casino Royale and expected it to always have this level of realism. But they've slowly been ramping his character back up to the Bond that we're all familiar with, the one that has the cool gadgets with Q. For me, I thought they did a really good job of including these characters that we've seen for years. I don't, I don't have as strong feelings as Chris about this because it, it was a bit of a letdown from Skyfall but I mean to, to say that that the whole movie is ridiculous or to say those that those I agree the plane sequence was pro- not not that great to me uh, but it was fun what? it was fun it was it was a little ridiculous but it was fun and 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 so so you know uh, I don't know what else you can ask for I mean that's what bond film is that bond films are, are based on I mean is, they literally set up at the beginning of this movie that he can do these crazy things exactly. with yeah. with 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 planes and helicopters. And then he uses that later on in the film in that seek. I don't understand. Like they set all this stuff up. It's not like it just comes out of nowhere. He's been training. If you, if you watch the other films, you realize that they've given bond, these superpowers throughout these last couple of movies. And now he's using them inspector. I mean, it, it- and exactly what Chris said earlier is that he he's rec- he's far more reckless in this movie than than in previous films, and it, stemming from the the death of M, and and he has to Vesper pursue this too. thing. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. And so so he's far more reckless in in this one than Skyfall, and so I think that does amp up 
to to a certain degree amp up the ridiculousness. I agree with Chris that I think there are plenty of sequences in Skyfall you could critique in the same fashion. Most, um, yeah. So <laughs> so so I don't know. I, I I think I think Chad, I think you're you're taking the the film a little too seriously. For yeah. No, again, I think so too. okay, that's fine. <laughs> you guys have latched on to one freaking thing that I said well, and tried thing. to make What's it the crux thing? of my entire argument. The realism of this movie is not the problem. It's a problem. It's a symptom of a bigger problem, which is that there's just – there's not enough – this feels like a retread of every other movie, every, of 10 other Bond movies that have come before it, except we get the nicer, nicer shot version with Daniel Craig, whereas Skyfall felt like a breath of fresh air because it wasn't. It was a variation on the theme of the character. It took it in different directions. Sam Mendes specifically, who's known for exploring the different kinds of, of backstory and motivations and all that stuff – set me up to believe that this movie would be even a step further in that direction. And what it was was a step 10 steps backwards into just a straight up, you could have put any other Bond in this movie, any other Bond yeah. before, and it would have been just more of the same. Exactly. That's more why I liked same. it. It's and not any good. And that No, that's not true. I, I think that's the reason why I like it is because this is Daniel Craig finally becoming the Bond that we're all familiar with. That's why I like this movie is because we see all of those elements. What? What? What, what I'm saying is, is that he, the, the Casino Royale Bond that we meet, he isn't even a double O yet, right? And so this is his progression to becoming the superhero of Bond that we're all familiar with from uh, when we first met uh, Sean Connery and Roger Moore and uh, all the others throughout those guys we'd already seen. We hadn't seen how he got to be that guy. And now we do. Now we see how he became that superhero. And that's why Spectre for me. Do you remember how the movie ended? Yes. What do you mean? Do I remember how the movie ended? Yes. I I don't understand how you're saying he's becoming Bond. We all know, but that can not be for now because that's a bit of a spoiler. All right, so I know we've already kind of done some light spoilers here, but we can segue into some actual spoilers and discuss this a little bit more. But before we do, let's give our final recommendations, see or don't see. So, Chris, is it a see or don't see? See it in IMAX. That's the way I saw it, and it is it is great. It is thrilling. It is uh, loud and fun. It is the Bond film uh experience uh, and you definitely should see it with a crowd of people they were ooing and awing and having a good time so it's a it's it's definitely seeing the theater okay uh daniel what about you absolutely see it in the theater see it right now uh you will have a great time if you don't like this movie then you obviously hate fun with a passion that's so, right there you go <laughs> that's right daniel. <laughs> okay chad what do you say do not see this movie in the theater uh, it is not fun. It is not thrilling. It is none of those things. My crowd was so disappointed that we didn't get to finish watching The Martian that we almost staged a walkout. So, so like I said before. Uh, I definitely think you should uh, you should rent this movie, but you don't need to see it in the theater. It is a big, big, big step down from Skyfall. Boo. It's true. Wow. That is harsh. That is harsh. Oh, uh, for me, I would say if you love Bond movies, then see it in the theater. Just expect a standard Bond movie. Don't expect anything mind-blowingly new. Uh, but it's fun. You'll enjoy it. Or a good <laughs> I don't movie. Know what don't expect a good movie either. I mean, either one of those things. Come on. Okay. And with that, let's go to spoilers. First rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? 
there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware of what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. So let me just start off by saying this. So yeah. we're talking about 2015. Here's a perfect example. I'll distill it down for you as to the difference between this movie and a good movie. If yeah. you had to watch this movie or Mission Impossible 5, which one would you watch? Mission Impossible 5 every day of the week because it's better in every single way and i might add it's just as ridiculous you're talking about rogue nation is that rogue nation yes okay. it's just as ridiculous but eminently better in every way so there you go okay so they're different um mission impossible and bond should not be compared um, oh, that's bogus. We can compare anything we want to. What do you mean it sh- shouldn't I'm, be yeah. compared? Well, what I'm saying is is that those are completely different ideas of the spy franchise. One is an American – listen, hang on just a second. One is the American view of what a spy should be, and one is the British view of what a spy should be. And both of them are, like you said, totally ridiculous. But whereas Mission Impossible is all about, um, you know, the, the, the fight and the struggle and, you know, being, you know, whatever. The, Bond is about style. He's about uh, doing things not necessarily well, but looking the best way. And that's why whenever he, like, slams through a door, he stands up and then he, like, adjusts his, his, uh, his, his outfit. Uh, why every, all, all the women and the men all are well put together. And it's almost a, this insane, ridiculous look. It's, it's, it's about the look of the thing, not necessarily getting things done the correct, quote, unquote, way. And that's why I think putting those I don't those even things, know what you're arguing right now. I don't even know. I'm just know saying, what you never see in Mission Chris. Impossible, you never see Mission Impossible, um, Ethan Hunt jump out of that that uh, aquarium explosion in the first uh, Mission Impossible film. And as he's walking away, he adjusts his collar and his tie and all that. That's just not, it's a different universe. It's a completely different focus. I think that whole counter argument okay. is bogus. It's yeah. not at all. It's bogus. Yeah, Chris, I, I'm on your side in this whole thing, but but I got to say, Bond and Mission Impossible is a pretty great comparison. Uh, and, and, to, to Chad's point, yeah, I would pick Rogue Nation over Spectre, but honestly, not by very much. Um, I felt very similar feelings to to the two movies. Um, okay, then use Ghost Protocol. Okay, regardless. All uh, right, thank you very much. Look, I, I, I said from the beginning, it is a letdown from Skyfall. Absolutely. It's not as good as Skyfall. I, I would never argue that. But it, that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. And I think that's where a lot of the, uh, the argument is coming from, is that it's I not did. as good as Skyfall, but... Who cares? It's still a great movie. No, it's not as good as Skyfall. Absolutely. I will never, I will not try to argue that, or, or Casino Royale. I will not try to argue that it's as good as either of those two films. But yeah. that doesn't mean automatically it's bad. I agree that's with that. I agree and that's with what that I'm saying. Wholeheartedly. And, and I'm, I agree not make, with you. I'm not making the argument that it's only not as good as Skyfall. I'm making the argument that it is, in fact, not a good movie. 
But see, that's that. But you just asked me which one I would rather see first. I, I think Rogue Nation's a better movie, but that doesn't mean that this one's bad. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. They're just completely they're different. And so if you ask me to compare those two, I'll give you the answer. But it's not. I'm, I'm it's comparing not accurate... them. I'm comparing them on the premise that you guys have have said from the whole start of this argument that my main hangup is that it's a ridiculous world where things happen and blah 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 blah. And my whole point is that you can live in that world where ridiculous things happen and still make a good movie. I.e. Mission Impossible. 4 and 5 where this does not achieve that same thing that's my sure. point that's fine I mean you, you can you can say that without a doubt I mean I I totally agree with you that Rogue Nation was an amazing movie it'll be on my list of top you know five or ten films of the year I really love that movie this movie won't be uh, it, it won't but at the same time like I don't feel like that makes this movie like I said bad in any way shape or form I really enjoyed this film Spectre I think delivered in the ways that I wanted it to deliver. Okay, that's fair. So, are there any specific plot points? There's. So, let me talk to you about the things that I didn't like. Can we talk about that? Um, yes, let's talk about that one thing. No, there's several things. <laughs> I'm just um, you know, there, there's, there, there's, like you said, um, there was a lot of the cohesive, the glue that stuck the uh, scenes together was not nearly as well thought out or obvious as it should have been and especially his his uh, spidey sense that somehow he got at the end of this film to know where uh, the the girl was um, when he was looking at uh, Blowfield out through the old MI6 uh, headquarters and all of a sudden he heard her right there at the door like a lot of this stuff just didn't make sense and that that but he had three minutes to get all the way up there I mean there's plenty right exactly yeah so the there are several of those moments where just like really like took me out like come on guys that was just that's just kind of sloppy um, screenwriting um, that's just to get point A to point B and those kinds of things annoyed me the 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 character motivation from getting point A to point B just kind of uh, bugged me a little bit um, that was my biggest complaint of this film and also Melody's point of um, them not using Christoph Waltz uh, and yours too Chad totally I agree with that Christoph. He should have been used in a much better way than he was. Yeah. Um, I, he could have been played by anybody, um, this character. Yeah, that whole eyes wide shut moment at the beginning was such a wasted opportunity. Just what are you talking about? The scene. Have you, not, this, have you guys not seen Eyes Wide Shut, the Kubrick movie? I, I know. I've not actually seen the film. Okay. I'm not it, it looks, it's, the, it's very reminiscent of eyes wide shut when he walks in to the to see the specter meeting for the first time at the big conference table and all that stuff mm. anyway so house, if you, house aesthetically it looks exactly the same it's a it's a deal where everybody's standing around watching something happen in the middle and there's a guy there that's not supposed to be there and then he's uh, discovered and then you know and then he jumps in his car and drives away well, i enjoy that what are they watching in Eyes Wide Shut? <laughs> well, why don't you watch that for yourself and tell me, Daniel? I know exactly what to watch. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not a conference meeting, I can tell you that. I, but I enjoyed that sequence. Again, that's a that's a huge throwback to you know the bond of yesteryear. I, did you not enjoy that sequence? I just think it was a missed opportunity. I, I think the setup for it is good, but then there was really no... There was actually, no tension or no anything. It's like, what? oh, there you are, Mr. Bond. And then he just runs out, the, jumps out the window and hits his car. It's done. You he doesn't know, say just, Mr. Bond. He doesn't say, he says James. And and I think that, I, I like, I like the, I like that reveal though. He was in the shadows. Melody said she didn't like it either, right? Melody, that you didn't like the whispers and all that kind of stuff to like build up his character. 
I mean, I just felt like it was dumb because his yeah. character wasn't anything special. So what is it with all the buildup? Oh, he gets up what? and he moves his water. But then they don't carry that out. That's Melody's yeah, exactly right. Then, then when you meet him, it's like, well, I don't get it. He's just, he's just a dude. A standard Bond bad guy. Yeah, I've got to agree with that. Yeah, no, no. But what I'm saying is, is that that scene, I felt... I, okay, totally. I agree. The promise of his character, but I enjoyed that scene where like everybody immediately was afraid when he walked in. They all stood up. They sat down. The way it was shot where you never you didn't see him. I don't know. I like that scene and him getting out and using his physicality and his car and all that stuff was just I, I completely that. ridiculous. <laughs> well, it's Bond. I, that's not dumb. Why is it dumb? I mean, seriously. Let me tell you the epitome of dumb is when they were escaping from his desert crater thing. <laughs> exactly. And he pulled, it was literally like a video game where men in black ran out just to be shot from yep. an, an impossible distance by his gun while constantly missing him. I mean, it's like if you were making fun of action movie tropes, you would make that scene. Chris, he literally had seven people in front of him shooting. They all missed. He wasn't behind any cover. He shot them all and then they hid behind a little thing on the edge and then they shot a guy like way across. It was the dumbest. Is the dumb like my point is it can be ridiculous, but but make it at least interesting or exciting. It was like a shooting gallery. It was so dumb. Come on. It was that so dumb. completely right. I can't defend that. I, I'll be honest. <laughs> no, I, I, I will defend it. That's what Bond does. That's what he's always done. Now, listen, here's what I want you to remember this. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. So just remember this conversation. All right. Right now. And then we're, we're going to see star Wars in a couple of weeks. Right. And if there are stormtroopers shooting at one person, they're constantly missing. That's a nod to, something else right uh, something that's come before and it, i'll say to you that's the dumbest thing ever those stormtroopers they've been training for years they should have hit their target that's so stupid that's what stormtroopers do that's a part that's a movie thing that's what happens in this particular universe and that's what bond does Chris, so for you to argue that's the silliest thing it's no, it's not. no it's not indefensible no it's not that is absolutely <laughs> defendable unbelievable <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say it's defendable to a certain extent to a degree but, but yeah if it's done you know i think the set was was the problem it was a wide open space and these guys are chasing them i think if they had at least you know ran around a corner did something different they they were running for a a full few seconds while these guys are shooting at them before they hid and it was i i definitely agree it was kind of like okay you know (laughs) but you know again that does not at all ruin this movie for me i mean uh, that one scene doesn't but scene upon scene upon scene upon scene of that even so even so chris is right in that it is bond and 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 I mean, th- this is a Bond film. I think Chris is absolutely right when he calls Bond a superhero. I think absolutely. So I think in in when ridiculous things happen, that's okay. You know, I I don't know. It doesn't ruin the movie at all to me. I don't have much more to say than that. It does. I just my defense can't just I just can't live with the defense that it's just well that's just Bond. I just can't live with that because we've seen Bond films that are clearly better that didn't succumb to the same kind of problems. So. That's where I, you know, if you can do it once, you can do it again. Sure. So, so was this, you, you've already said this was better than Quantum of Solace. Uh, from the other Bond films that you've seen, are any better? Because if not, then you and I are in total agreement about where it falls with Bond films. Do you mean like the entire filmography of Bond? Yes. So I loved Goldeneye. Just because, great. Yeah. So I definitely placed Goldeneye there. Um, and I, 
so maybe this is completely uh, going to be controversial, uh, but I really like License to Kill as well. Timothy Dalton, um, uh, his that that I think is a really good movie, uh, just period. Um, and uh, but anyway, I, I from Russia with Love. I like Sorry. The Living Daylights too, honestly, but it's it's not great. Golden Eye is fantastic. Golden Eye is awesome. Yeah. Mm, Tomorrow Never Dies was pretty good. Whoa! Do you think Tomorrow Never Dies is better than Spectre? Mm. No, that probably not. not. Be probably not. Good. Probably Thank not. goodness. Yeah, I literally so. was about to have a hemorrhage. Like, Die another day is definitely better, though. There's no uh, doubt about what? it. What? <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt. It's clearly <laughs> better. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You're it's so better, guys. Halle Berry is gorgeous. Oh, what are you talking I thought about? Being serious and I, was I am serious. It had an no, ice castle I, and lasers. I, what are you talking even, about? This it's is better. the worst thing ever. Better. Uh, Let me tell you something. Spectre, yeah, Spectre is one ice castle, although we kind of have one in this one. We're just one laser away, and we're right there with Die Another Day, as far as I'm concerned. That is so baloney. So you think <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Let me ask Daniel this. Is San Andreas better than Spectre? <laughs> How about Crystal Skull? No, I'm seriously asking. Is it better? Tell no, the truth. of course it's in not your better. Heart. In your heart, tell the truth. Absolutely, it's not better. Mm-hmm. Thank God. You're listening to The Screeners Podcast. Well, they brought me back just to say goodbye to everyone this week. So that's it. That's it for another episode of The Screeners. We hope you enjoyed it. But you know, if you want to enjoy it more, I say get on our Facebook page and leave us some comments. We, we don't care how inappropriate they are. We don't care. Just leave us some love. Leave, leave us some hate. Leave us whatever. And you might hear yourself on the next episode. So until then, we'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.